North Central University. How are we doing today? It is great to be with you guys. My name is Micah. For those who walked in late and missed Joshua's introduction, this is my wife, Steph, who is playing on the keys. Can we give it up for my wife and her worship leading this morning? I love how sweet, pure uh, your worship is in your heart for Jesus is. Uh, I was, however many years ago, I ain't going to say it because I don't want to date myself, but I was a student at North Central University, and she was on the piano playing and leading. I walked up through those doors upstairs, and when I saw her, I literally started crying, and I was trying to figure out if it was God's presence or just her. I didn't know, but uh, we've been married 10 years, just celebrated 10 years of marriage together. Yeah. I want to say a great big thank you to President Scott Hagen and Karen Hagen and for their leadership. You guys are blessed with the best right here at North Central. Uh, leadership is taking people where they don't want to go, but when they get there, they end up liking it. And President Hagen does that to a T. Uh, he's a great leader, and uh, I know he's out of town right now, but just wanted to say a great big thank you to them, as well as the investment in my life that North Central has paid to me, the professors here, the leaders here. Uh, I'm taking my master's program here uh, in theology. And so I count it a joy. I'm no longer an alum. I'm a student with y'all. And uh, I'm very grateful, very, very grateful. I wanted to introduce the sermon title today. You're going to love it. It's titled, The Grudge That Killed. The Grudge That Killed. You're like, that is saucy. A Monday morning, it's Monday morning, and he's talking about the grudge that killed. In fact, if you're a hardcore music listener, it reminds you of like a hardcore song title, like the grudge that killed. Joey's thinking that's a hardcore song. The grudge that killed. Sorry, I may or may not listen to hardcore music when I work out. But some of you are like, this dude's going straight for the jugular. It's Monday morning. I just woke up. The grudge that killed. I love putting sermon titles that come straight from Scripture. I love it. If you could stand with me for the reading of God's Word in Mark chapter 6, you're going to see right where this sermon title comes from. This story is crazy. It just is. Mark chapter 6, verse 17. If you're ready for the Word, say, let's go. Verse 17 says this, For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. John the Baptist is who he's talking about. He had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, whom he had married. Time out, that's jacked up. Dude straight up married his brother's wife. That's jacked up. There's some drama going on, some family drama going on, okay? For those of us who think the Bible's boring, it ain't, y'all. There's some straight up drama. And the fact is that she cheated on her husband with his brother. It's messed up. And so there's drama going on in verse 19. So Herodias, here it is. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. Dang. Herodias nursed a grudge against John, wanted to kill him, but she was not able to. Because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Verse 21, finally, the opportune time came 
On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in, this is even more jacked up, y'all. When the stinking daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. What a jacked up situation. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. That's a lot. And it blows my mind. That Herodias didn't want half the kingdom, didn't want the possessions. It blows my mind what the fruit of a grudge will look like in a person's life. She went out and said to her mother, Mom, what do you want me to ask for? The head of John the Baptist. Jesus, help us to kill the grudges that love to kill others. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for God's words. You can have a seat. Anybody here ever hold a grudge against someone in their life? Ever hold a grudge towards somebody? Maybe you got a current grudge you're just holding towards someone. I remember uh, when I was pursuing Steph and I was a student at North Central University, I did the most random, odd tactics to try to win her over. I do not recommend what I did to Steph, okay? Don't do what I did. We were at a grad party. I don't even think she was quite my girlfriend yet at the time, but we were at a grad party. It was hot outside. And I noticed that, man, it's pretty hot. I, I'm going to do something to show how much I like this girl. And so what I did is I saw a cup of water, and I grabbed it, and I grabbed the full cup and dumped it all over her. And she, she screamed. She goes, ah! She screamed. I get water all over her. And you could tell in that moment, she was like, do I hold a grudge against this dude for dumping water on me? You could tell her her face was beaming red. She's like, do I get back at him for dumping this water on me? Do I dare return the favor and get him back? Or do I just let this grudge go? You could tell there was an internal turmoil going on in her mind, and her heart. And guess what she did? She held a deep grudge. She grabbed the closest water bottle she could find, started running after me at this grab party. Tons of people at this grab party. She takes the water bottle, chucks it. All this water comes out. I, it was like the matrix, slow motion. I was dodging out of the way. The water misses me, y'all, and lands all over a four-year-old boy at the party. <laughs> Literally, misses me. The grudge she had towards me, the hatred, the fuel she had to get me, literally douses an innocent four-year-old boy, sops his whole, all of his hair. The dude's got long curly hair for a four-year-old. The rest of the grab party, he's running around and his hair's wet, flopping around. This gets even worse. The mom, the mom of the four-year-old boy, saw it, doesn't know Steph. All she saw was her dump water all over her son. Steph's still chasing me. The mom goes, hey, get over here. What are you doing to my son? Get back here. And then it hit me. Is a grudge will always hurt more than just you, but will always get up on somebody else around you. Steph, is that really what happened? Actual. Let's give it up for my wife for putting up with me and actually saying yes. Here's the deal, and here's the facts. If I were Satan, I would do everything I could to scheme grudges in your life. Because if I could get you to hold a grudge, then I would thwart the purposes of God for your life. Because where there is grudge, where there is hatred, there is no room for the Holy Spirit. 
And when I give the devil permission to hold a grudge in my life, now I agree with his plans versus the plans that God has for me. So if I were Satan, the number one thing I'd put in front of all of our faces is this word called pain. If I could get someone to hurt you, if I could get someone to say something about you, if I could get someone to gossip about you, to slander about you, to go behind your back, if I could get you to hate your own roommate on your floor, if I could get you to hate the current leadership of the school, if I could do anything I could to get a grudge inside of you, I know I got you. And so here's what scripture says about grudges. Scripture reveals right even right here in this text is number one is this, is grudges, they come from an unrepentant heart. Literally, the breeding ground for how a grudge even begins is an unrepentant heart. John the Baptist, the whole reason why we're even in this scenario is because John the Baptist straight up publicly called her out for cheating on her husband. What are you doing sleeping with your, with your husband's brother? He calls her out. And in that moment, this is the defining moment, in that moment she can repent, humble herself, say, woe is me, turn the other way, and move on. But this immediately becomes the beginning moment and the breeding moment for a grudge that what does the text say? Kills. You see two different instances. David caught in his sin, caught in the prophet with Nathan. And immediately you see a godly sorrow. You see a brokenness and a humility. God can work with that. God can use that. But the minute we put up hedges and the minute we say screw that, Pride begins to enter in, and now grudges can work themselves out in our life. Can I just tell you, one of the best books of the Bible for you right now in your life is this book called Proverbs. And know what is a concern of mine that I'm just seeing? Is we really hate correction and rebukes. We don't like to be corrected, and we don't like rebukes. Because if it goes against my ideology and how I think, I don't want it. One of the best things we can invite in our life is godly rebuke and godly correction. Proverbs says those who take in correction and instruction have the pathway to life. Y'all, I don't know about you. I want life. So I want godly rebukes. I want godly corrections from when I'm missing it. But here's where an unrepentant heart comes in. Look what Proverbs has to say. Proverbs chapter 4 says to guard your heart above all else for it affects the role the wellspring of your life. Everything comes from your heart. When a heart's full of grudges, it jacks up the behaviors in our life. What does this say in Proverbs? It says this in Proverbs chapter 26, in verse 24. It says, enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. Verse 25, though their speech is charming, hey, do not believe them. They may, their malice may be concealed by deception, but if their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Verse 27, it says, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. In other words, whoever holds grudges, they're going to fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it's going to roll back on them. Proverbs is showing us it ain't good to hold a grudge. Verse 28, a lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Don't be surprised when your heart's full of grudge, your mouth gets full of slander. Your mouth looks to hurt those on your floor. Your mouth looks to hurt people in your life. Why? Because you were never meant to harbor a grudge. Number one, grudges. Grudges set themselves up against God, and it comes from an unrepentant heart. And then number two, grudges give Satan an opportune time to destroy. Right here in the text, this is, blows my mind in verse 21. Finally, the opportune time came. 
It was as if Herodias, from the moment she was publicly called out, man, I can't wait for an opportunity to give back at John. Because know what happens when we're hurt and when we're offended? We can't wait to strike back and bring back the same force that they hit us with to now hit them. And Satan is constantly waiting for the right time, opportune times. This is not the only time in Scripture we see opportunistic timing. You see the Pharisees literally planning perfectly for the right time to go get Jesus. You see, when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, it literally says this in Luke chapter 4, that Satan left Jesus. This always has stood out to me every time I read it. Satan left Jesus, and what does it say? Satan waited for an opportune time to tempt Jesus again. If you don't think Satan's waiting for opportunities in your life, he is. He's waiting to strike. And one of the number one ways Satan does it is by getting Christians who say they love Jesus to hold grudges in their life. Because if I can hold a grudge, woo, I can't wait to strike. Because now we have eyes that don't see the way Christ sees. Now we have wise eyes to constantly get back at those who got to us. And now I'm waiting for the right time. Can I just tell you a common theme I've noticed in my life? The opportunistic times where Satan loves to strike in my life is when I'm hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, and when I'm tired. Some of y'all are like, that's all four of me right now. I am hungry for some lunch. Get me out of here, Micah. I'm angry at my roommate. I'm lonely and no one sees me. Y'all straight up, I don't remember the best time I ever got a full night's sleep because my roommates love to game and stream online all night long. Straight up, I'm hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. That is breeding ground for Satan to mess with you. It's providing an opportune time in your life for Satan to strike. So, what is the antidote and what is the solution? Satan wants to destroy. Ooh, I love this in 1 John. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He says that the reason why I came was to destroy the works of the devil. So you want to know how to destroy grudges that kill? You want to know how to kill the very grudges in your life? It's through the way of this word called forgiveness. Because when you forgive, you're choosing a different way. You're choosing a way that the world doesn't value, the world will never validate. You're choosing the way that Jesus did through this power of forgiveness. This is the part of the message. Some of y'all are going to hate me, and that's okay. So you're telling me I'm supposed to forgive my best friend who walked on in my life and hurt me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my teacher in high school who said this about me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my ex who cheated on me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my uncle who touched me and did this to me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive this person who I thought I could trust but now completely ignores me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my dad who walked out on my life? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my mom who keeps using the bottle every time I call home she's drunk? You mean I'm supposed to just forgive her? Yeah. Because if we do not forgive those who hurt us, Jesus cannot forgive us of our sins. And one of the scariest verses that I hate that Jesus said is when he taught us to pray, Father, forgive me of my trespasses and help me to forgive those who trespass against me. And then he doubles down on the prayer as if he needed to slam it again. And he says this, if you do not forgive those who hurt you, my heavenly Father in heaven cannot forgive you. 
I want to show you a picture of what happens when we let Satan have an opportune time to hold a grudge in our life. You know what I find really interesting? Rather than choosing to forgive, man, it's real easy to hold on to the offense and choose a grudge. You know what I find really interesting? You notice how Derek, the kid who hurt me, you notice how he's staring that way, he's not even looking at me? Oftentimes, the people that hurt us, the people that speak out against us, the people that do things to us, they oftentimes don't even think about you. But because I've chosen to hold on to this cord of offense... It's like I now am tied to them, and constantly my mind thinks about them. I see them in public at the grocery store. I'm trying to get away. I see him online post something. I'm trying to get away. He keeps pulling me back. I see what he posts on social media. Someone shares it. I'm trying to get away. It's like my life is constantly trying to get away from the person who hurt me, but I seem to never be able to do it. And then you and I, we live lives where we come to chapel and we have news feeds bombarding us with more hate. We have news feeds bombarding us to hate more people, hold more grudges. See, they'll always be that way. See, they'll always act that way. And it's like our news feeds are constantly reinforcing the grudges that kill. And so I show up to a chapel like this. And now because I'm hurt, it's real easy for me to pick up trash in my life and hold on to anger and bitterness. Now what comes out of my life is wrath. What comes out of my life is anger because now my number one goal is to destroy Derek's life. Derek ruined my life. I want to destroy his life. He said something to me. I want to say something to him. He touched me. He did something. Now I want to get back to him. And all the while... What's happening is I have tied myself to him, and now I'm picking up trash that gets heavier. And now it's not just anger and bitterness, but now I easily get into an addiction where now I use the addiction to medicate the pain that I'm tied to. And now the addiction, it reinforces the endorphins that feel good for a moment, but in reality, it's getting heavier. Did you know I can walk around in life looking good in the Zara jacket and Lulu pants? And walk on the outside and everyone's like, oh man, he's looking good. But do you realize, after a while carrying this, it gets heavy. It gets real heavy. And after a while, I start to walk with a limp. After a while, my back hurts for having to support the garbage that's in my life. After a while, it gets real heavy. Now I'm losing sleep at night. Now I'm getting migraine headaches. And now it's literally physically manifesting in my life. Why? Because I've chosen to hold on to a grudge that kills And a grudge will never just kill the person you want to get back. A grudge will always kill you. Always. And then I sit here and I say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my addiction? Jesus, would you forgive me of my anger? Jesus, would you forgive me of my gossip? Jesus, would you do this? You know what Jesus says back to me? Son, I can't. But Jesus, your word says you're faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. What do you mean you can't? Son, my word also says if you do not forgive those who hurt you, I cannot forgive you of your sins. I need to stop the whole message right now. The very things that have happened to you are validated. The emotions you experience when that happened is real. It's validated. But can I just say this? You were never called to be tied to an offender. 
You are called to be tied to a savior. You're like, Mike, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to show you how to do it. Jesus, I don't want to forgive. I know you don't, son. Jesus, I don't want to do this. I know you don't, son. But Jesus, by your power and by your spirit, would you help me forgive my dad? Jesus, by your power, by your spirit, would you help me forgive my mom? By your power, by your spirit, would you help me forgive my sister? By your power, by your spirit, would you help me forgive my roommate? Jesus, by your power, by your spirit, God, I give over Derek to you. And I release Derek to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And the cords of offense and the trash that so easily entangles is now off my life, and I can be a free son and daughter who he's called me to be. You weren't called to live a life with grudges that kill, but you were called to kill the grudges that so easily kill other things. Don't you ever forget what I'm about to say next. Have you been hurt by a religious leader? Jesus was too. Have you been isolated and abandoned by people that said they'd be with you to the end? Jesus has been too. Have you been backstabbed by someone you thought you could trust? Jesus was backstabbed too. Have you been abused physically? Jesus was abused physically too. Have you been emotionally wrecked by somebody? Jesus was emotionally wrecked too. The very Roman government and governing powers of the world went on the back and the cross of Jesus. The very religious leaders of the day that were scheming and waiting for an opportune time to take the Son of God from the world literally put him on a cross. And it was in that moment with Jesus, his arms stretched out wide, whip, cattails put in his back, a crown of thorns pushed into his head, that he uttered out, not grudges towards people, not forget them, but Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And because Jesus chose the path of forgiveness, y'all, grudges can accomplish a lot, but forgiveness can accomplish infinitely more. Forgiveness is the pathway to the freedom that Jesus has for your heart. It's available for every person, every person in the room. I love how Paul so frequently in his letters talk about this word forgiveness. Why? Because the church straight up had issues. If you think the church is perfect, you're seeing the wrong church. Churches had issues. But it's why Paul said, forgive one another. Hey, forgive one another. Live at peace with one another. Love one another. Hey, Jesus said no greater love than someone who laid down his life for his friends. Do that. Walk in the way of love. Don't you see? A grudge will always keep us from godly unity. But when we surrender and choose his way, healing can come to your heart and come to the lives around you. Grudges have done a great job killing so many people, but the forgiveness of Jesus has healed way, way more. If everyone could stand with me. I'm going to pray over you. I got 18 seconds left. When I say amen on my prayer, you can either come forward and let the Holy Spirit deal with the grudges in your life, deal with whatever, or when I say amen, you can turn and walk out those doors quietly. I will let you respond how the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Jesus, I thank you that we were never called to be defined by our hate for one another, but you said the world would know we were yours by our love for one another. The grudge that killed John the Baptist doesn't need to be the story in our own lives.
Help us to do the hard thing. Help us to choose your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. You can come forward, have time with Jesus, or you can be dismissed.